Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And who is the hostess with the mostest? (laughs) Scott Gal. Let's be honest. Over and over. Yeah. Was your family who came and visited mine. Over and over, let's be honest, were you constantly asking yourself, how can someone so masculine be so lovely? How can he be so lovely? No, I was thinking is your wife is amazing. And now I understand the whole equation of how it works out for Scott Galloway. That's what I thought. Oh, my God. Okay, so some key moments, key highlights from the weekend. (laughs) Key moments. Got to give the fans what they want. Okay, good. Got to feed the ducks here. Yeah. From moment one. I wear a lot of makeup, but go ahead. The Swisher family comes in and in walks the golden child, like little 18 pounds of magic. That is the most beautiful little girl. I know. Happy. Have no idea how you had anything to do with that. No, don't understand the nothing. mechanics. Don't need to Not understand the mechanics. You. I created then, her from sand of the beach, but go ahead. Go and ahead. then in contrast, in yeah. walks this Clydesdale white LeBron, who is also <laughs> your son. I mean, he's the most enormous human I have ever. We is. had to wax his arms to get him through the door. <laughs> he's a big guy. He is, I'm like, we're going to need a bigger house. Yeah, yeah. This kid is enormous, enormous. Enormous. And my favorite moment, my favorite moment. Him falling asleep on the cat the entire couch. Your My giant favorite couch. moment. We all decide after a lovely day on Friday, a yeah. lovely day. By the way, who takes you to the Boca Bash for a Trump rally? The dog. D- I anyway. know. Thank you so anyway. much. The Confederate flags were something to see. A I have lovely- to say. It was so Florida. It was so Florida. All you kept saying was, I'm not going into the water. Is that a QAnon flag? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm not going in the water. Anyway, Anyways, we're, we decide after a lovely night. A, yes. a lovely day. We, we decided dinner? to watch something on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. In Palm Beach where you guys wouldn't take off your masks. That was yeah. very comforting. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, anyways, we're back at we're back at Chateau, Chateau Dog. Yeah. And we decide and I'm like, all right, I'm I, I trust you and I like you guys enough. I'll let you pick the Netflix program. Yeah. We're all sitting down watching <laughs> Netflix. Right. And then all of a sudden, your son comes and sits down and we all pop into the air about a foot. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, that's a big fucking human. He is. And we can't see over his size 45 sneakers. I'm like, dude, can you get your sneakers out of the way? And what is what is the, what do the Swishers Jordans, pick? Jordans, by the way, but go ahead. What do yeah. the Swishers pick? What? The great Boston art heist. <laughs> and then I realized I'm drinking tea, and suddenly I came to this really weird realization. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a lesbian. You're a lesbian. You I'm the second most famous Male lesbian, right behind Lindsey Graham. I'm going for number one. And I started thinking I couldn't focus on this woke shit we were watching. I'm like, am I Meredith Baxter Bernie or am I Kelly McGillis? (laughs) 
Who am I? Let me take you my side of the picture. Okay. Scott's wife is superb. His kids are lovely. It's kind of shocking. A lot of us kept saying of the family as we had meetings when you were not there. We were like, how does he get such a nice group of people to hang out with him, first of all? Money, a, mostly money. It's a beautiful home. He, they're very, like the refrigerator is full of healthy foods. It's crazy. There was not a junk food, nary in sight. At every, none of his counters. Is that you or your wife? The counters have nothing on them. They're beautiful. What was going on there with that? The counters? You, Who cleans no the counters? No appliances anywhere. Not, everything's hidden. I beautiful. like that Northern European kind of OCD it look. It was yeah. aesthetic. He has a yeah. beautiful house. It's very healthy. It feels, it doesn't, it's not a part, you'd imagine it to be a party zone, but it's I'm not. I'm very uncomfortable with this. I'd rather be known as a faculty member living in faculty house. Okay. No, with no, newspapers piling up that, everywhere. <laughs> no, you have a very lovely, woke life. I ha- you are more woke. It was a very San Francisco experience, actually. Oh, that fun. hurts. I'm just saying. That hurts. It is also beautiful. And it is also, uh, you. it was a very, you were an excellent host. You were the hostess with the mostest, I have to say. I wanted I to ha- impress Amanda. You not so much. No, I don't. That. And We're giant so- boy. And Jesus Christ. <laughs> they worked out together, too. Seriously, Venmo me about $11 million for the <laughs> crap that that guy ate. Oh, my God. He didn't stop eating. He didn't stop eating. It's really crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that, it's crazy. That kid. That he kid. ate all your food. Like, he kept getting thirds. Yeah. But your wife is also a beautiful cook. Let me just also add, we had a lovely time in Miami visiting we venues, did. right? We looked at a lot of stuff. And we're looking we at Miami for a pivot event. For a pivot con. We can't decide where to go. Um, we know we want it to be loose. We know we want it to, unfortunate things to happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Miami's perfect. It was a perfect venue mm-hmm. for us, don't you think? We didn't get to meet the mayor, although I interviewed him this morning, the mayor for Sway. How was mayor he? Sway. He was very Suarez. He yeah, very Suarez. Very suave, Suarez. Suarez. I got to tell you, I, I, I first thought he was a lightweight, but he's not a lightweight. He's not a lightweight. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. He's got some things going on. I really en- enjoy talking to him. I thought he was very smart. I thought he was a super smart I think guy. he's a comer. I think I he's do a comer. Too. If he's he can get right. through to the through to the Trumpers, he's very anti-Trump. I would say he's surprisingly anti-Trump, and much more, uh, much less interested. Florida is it? Look, Scott, I now understand why you live in Florida. I have to say. Oh, look, it's easy to make fun of, but the reality yeah. is the quality of life is really powerful. I mean, it, it loses is. all its charm once you get about ten meters from the water, and if you actually mm-hmm. meet anyone from Florida, but. Other than that, it's a it's a wonderful place to live. It's yeah, really, but there um, was a hopefulness to it. There was a like, there was a lot of like, we went out to dinner at Palm Beach Place, and it was kind of ridiculous. The like the the sort of faux partying, the performative this and that. It's very Los Angeles that way, but that's sort of Trumpville. But I have to say, there's an energy to it that is definitely uh, interesting. It's a really and it's 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 not quite as conservative. Like we saw a lot of masking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very purple. complex place. It's a complex it's place. It's purple, and yeah. it's really there's a lot of. It feels very uh, Latin. It feels very next generation. It feels very young, uh, and it was very Scott Galloway. Scott, you were well, you know. Um, um, I'm almost none of those things. But anyways, yeah. the, you know, especially DeSantis. Is, yeah. Well, he's this running is Ron president. DeSantis, governor. And you know what his tagline is, literally? What? His what? new tagline is, make America Florida. Uh, Florida is, uh, I mean, you have to acknowledge, and I immediately have a gag reflex around this, but right. Florida over the last year has probably been the best or the least bad or one of the least bad places to be. Yeah. Through this crisis, because the reality or the data reflects that people paid or people feel as if they paid a lower price in terms of altering their lifestyle. And the numbers 
the economy, mortalities, infection rates yeah, are not terrible. And yeah. so people look to Florida and think, I mean, just in general, you look at people moving down there, it's like a better quality of life. Uh, Florida, you know, Florida, look, Florida's a comer. If you could go long, if states were stocks, you'd want to go long Florida right now. It was yeah, interesting. I'm, I moved there 10 years ago, and I've, I've, it's been wonderful for us. I feel very grateful to Florida. You know, something that uh, Mayor Suarez said is, he, I asked him because he was against uh, the mask, he was for the mask mandates, and fought, a lot of the mayors fought with Governor DeSantis. And I said, what do you think of how it came out for him? He goes, he took a really big chance and it came out for him, but it could have not. You know what I mean? He goes, so, and I was also on the side of public health people who thought one death, if you can prevent one death and this, and he decided the opposite way. And he said it might not have happened that way. So he was sort of, he was sort of right in the middle of the idea of that, that mm -hmm. he thought it was irresponsible. And that just because it worked out for him, it went his way was not necessarily, may have been the seniors staying home. It may have been a lot of things. It was, it's an interesting place, I have to say. But when I, one thing I want to ask you is how do you think yeah. our relationship is now? What do you think? I, it's hard to imagine we could have become closer, but I think <laughs> I think that happened. I think that happened. We got Look, along rather well. Yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. fighting. Uh, you were no just you were just marching around the house screaming into your phone the whole time. We didn't really <laughs> get a, a chance to. You know. I was not. Do they Did know who I am? And you're staring <laughs> into a phone. <laughs> no, I was. Um, I he's was a, not. You'd be like, he's a fucking psychopath. She's no. a lesbian. He's no. a fucking psychopath. That's <laughs> no. what I kept hearing over and over as you were yelling kept, into I your phone. I kept. I left your house neat. I liked the Airbnb aspect of it. It was lovely. It was. I'm just That's saying. Really I nice. feel closer. The golden to you. child. Leave that little girl behind. No, you may not have my. You, I. You should have some more children. That's my feeling on that. No, some of us when we're 80 decide to close shop. <laughs> okay. Nonetheless, it was a great Tony time. Tony Randall. We are going back. We're going back Sultan to Miami. Of Calorama. We had a good time. I feel we are closer in some weird I do, way. I do. I do weird feel way. We got though. along rather well. It was surprising. I was, was expecting nice. much more fireworks, but it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, other thing, nice. did you watch the Oscars last night after I left while well, you were sad? Uh, yeah, and I, I got to be honest. I thought they did a really wonderful job of capturing what it's like to be you trapped. You hated in. the Golden Globes. You hated all the other award shows. Uh, I thought they did a wonderful job of really capturing the vibe of what it's like to be trapped in a train station for three hours. Oh. <laughs> I see you're gonna insult. <laughs> I mean, come on. The moment, the moment was like, all right, Chad Bozeman is gonna get the Academy yeah. Award for a lot of reasons, yeah. and they give it to the old white guy, and everyone's like, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and he's not even there. He's off right, like Anthony singing. Hopkins. He's off like doing TikToks where he's singing to his cat or something. <laughs> and that to me is just like, oh my god, boom, signature. Close it up now. It was a little I, too close in with the Hollywood people. It wasn't glamorous. It was like, wait, I don't like to no see this. No one cares about what they yeah. have, think or say. We want to see Brad Pitt. We want to see yeah. gorgeous and Brad Pitt. And we want to see, outfits. you know, Christina Aguilera do the like the Disney song that's up for whatever best yeah, song. Was, I, they, minus glamour, Hollywood is not great. I have to tell you. It was oh, problematic. It's, it's um. It, that it's. I mean, first of all, I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I just no. can't wait till the ratings come. Amanda in tried, and I wanted to watch the Nevers. No, I was not interested. I was yeah. not interested. I wasn't even slightly interested, and because most of the movies people hadn't seen too. That's the other. The, the other big takeaway. What is Frances McDormand should be supreme allied commander. No one would ever <laughs> fuck with the U.S. if she was in charge. <laughs> I am so scared of her. My yeah. God. Yeah. She is like confidence with a swirl or a floaty of confidence. Yeah. My God. I'm like, put she her, is. just put her in charge. Yes, it's true. Jesus, she, she, she should be put in charge. She, she should be put in charge. So what's She's interesting really is that, um, that, uh, that it was, uh, it was so, it was so 
lacking glamour. That's all I have to say. Anyway, t- uh, by the way, on what, Thursday, a train we're gonna be, station. T- yes, exactly. T- a Tesla's mm. expected to post re- record earnings this week. Just you know, we're going to talk about it on Thursday. Elon yeah. Musk will also be co- hosting Saturday Night Live on May eighth. Um, anyway, we're going to be live. Yeah, I've basically. never so badly looked forward to seeing a really talented person, i.e., Miley Cyrus. I mean, we have hit. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, this is such. You bullshit. got mad about that. Oh God! You were tweeting away when that's not. I- now he's invaded SNL. Mm-hmm. Make him stop, Kara. You know no. him. Make him no. stop. I'm Tell him to have some I like self-awareness. It. I like it. I like it. I think it's going to be funny. Oh I think he's the only one they could have had on. They, there was no other tech CEO. Or, why? Or, but why would they have any? Because he's That's Elon. He's, he's transcended everything else. He's, okay. It makes sense. It Let's makes get sense. the I'm CEO sorry. of Dow Corning on next week. No, oh, I got to tune in for that. You're wrong. You're wrong. This is going to be Ugh. either a really bad or really good. That's the way it's yeah, going to be. I'm taking the over under on. You couldn't really have Zuckerberg bad. up there. Zuckerberg was on there once, just to appear at the beginning of a of the guy who played him in Social Network. Uh, but no, it's going to be good. I'm going to go for yes on it. Sorry. Uh, you watch. So you know what is going to happen when he's on. What you know what is going to happen. What Doja Coin is going to go up ten percent. Oh yeah. Within 24 hours of him, they'll, they'll do an SNL skit on, on crypto on Doja Coin, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the awareness. And everyone will be like, oh, I'll buy a little. And on a, yep. on a company with a $35 billion, whatever it is, it'll send Dogecoin. It'll make Dogecoin even more volatile uh, mm. in the, the 48 hours. Anyway. Yeah, there we go. All right, Scott, go. on to big stories. Let's check in on the CEOs of the world. Despite the mm. economic downturns of the pandemic, many of the hardest hit companies' CEOs saw huge increases in wealth and payment. According to New York Times, despite Boeing's uh, record bad year, Chief Executive David Calhoun made $21.1 million in compensation. The cruise industry all but halted in the past year, but Norwegian Cruise Line CEO Frank Del Rio doubled his pay to $36.4 million. Bloom reports that eight of the 10 wealthiest people in the United States are men who founded or run tech companies in the United States. They've all grown uh, billions of dollars richer, as we've talked about this year, including Elon Musk, especially Elon Musk. Chief executives of big companies now make, on average, 320 times as much as your typical worker. This is, we had a lot of deep talks this week. One of them was about income inequality. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? This is your big thematic situation here. This is awful. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of the mother of all moral hazard because mm-hmm. I saw this at the New York Times when our stock went down to three bucks. Mm-hmm. I saw this when Mickey Drexler was saying how bad business was to try and drive down the value as he was partnering with banks to try and take his own company private such that he could get at a lower price. But the gangster move, if you're a CEO, is yep. to have an exogenous event, literally stuff every piece of bad news into the earnings, take the stock way down at the expense of your retail shareholders, mm-hmm. and then go back to the board and say, this isn't my fault. I'm obviously the one I know the, where the bodies are buried. I can save us here. Make sure the government is there to write you a check financed by future generations to make sure that the company doesn't go bankrupt, which it should. These companies should have absolutely, these cruise lines, these airlines mm-hmm. should have been allowed to go bankrupt and wipe out the equity. But instead, they get propped up under the auspices of saving jobs and they don't touch zero. And then what is the CEO and the comp committee that likes the Give CEO and likes to get paid a quarter of a million dollars to have dinner and hang out with them every 12 weeks? They issue them a shit ton of options. Mm-hmm. And then they make a shit ton of money when the stock recovers from near zero. So what do we have here? We have an environment where we are incentivizing CEOs to take these companies almost out of business 
such that the stock goes down, they get a shit ton. I remember when I was on the board of the New York Times and the stock mm-hmm. hit three bucks in the recession, and all of a sudden the management team came, became very fond of the idea of more equity compensation to give them a vested interest, and they all made tens of millions of dollars in the recovery. Mm-hmm. And at least that was taking risk because we could have gone out of business. The government was gonna, wasn't going to step in. They yeah. were just going to step in and save the banks. They weren't saving media companies. But now the government has decided to step in and save every company such that we can inflate the wealth of the 1%. And this is ground zero for it. And what well, do we have? I, I was I'm just sorry, listening to Joe Lonsdale on CNBC talking about the surge in Bitcoin. He said it's a reaction to the crazy government bailing everybody out. He was interesting. He was like, if the government's going to be crazy, why are you calling us crazy? Why are we calling Bitcoin and everything else? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a reaction to that. What do you I think it's young that? people wanting volatility. And one interesting status, you know, more black people have purchased Bitcoin than white people, despite mm. being dramatically fewer numbers. Because I think when populations feel like, okay, the game is just rigged against us, yeah. we we want volatility. We want to find different asset classes and we want volatility because clearly the 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 game is not as rigged against us. But anyways, this this is really I, and I don't, I, and people immediately go, well, what's the solution? I'm not sure there is a solution because this is what happens on boards. The comp mm-hmm. committee basically says, all right, let's pay them a little bit more than average. And that ends up in this exponential effect right. where their compensation just skyrockets and their, their multiple of the average worker has gone from 60 to 350 of CEOs. I think you've just got to increase tax rates because I'm not sure you're ever going to be able to get rid to of this To stop dynamic. this from happening. So, so what about the average U.S. citizen? One of the things, we had a very interesting discussion about colleges and this idea of creating these false, uh, false scarcity and this and that. But how does the average citizen who doesn't get to play this game that these people get, the nut 320 times as much as the typical worker? That is an astonishing number. It used to be like, what, 10? Or twelve? No, no, I think it was about fifty. It's it's yeah. it's gone exponential. Look, it, 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 what 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 hurts even more is the tax rates they're going to pay on these this equity if they exercise their options and they held the equity for longer. Mm-hmm. And Norwegian Cruise Lines, which is headquartered, I think, in the great state of Florida, the it CEO is. will pay twenty two point eight percent versus the people that got laid off were paying probably thirty or forty percent effective mm-hmm. tax rates. So not only do we have I mean, it's just, every again, everything we do in our society right now has one aim. Let's take money from the young. Let's take money from uh, a younger generation who tends to be more gender balanced, who tends to have more people of color, um, and let's transfer wealth from them to older people. It's yeah. it just everything we do. And the CEO compensation is so out of control at this point. And I don't know, the market dynamics make it very difficult to cap it. And there's some wonderful things yeah, about capitalism. Taxing. Take their taxes up. Uh, why on earth are they paying? I mean, it's well, one thing if they make that, tons of money. They're discussing that, getting rid of capital gains. I mean, That's raising right. capital gains. That's they right. Are. Who loves that idea? Who loves that idea? Scott Who keeps Gallery, bringing it I'm up? Guessing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Who has an informal role in the cabinet? They just don't know it yet. They just <laughs> don't know it yet. Really? No. You Mm-mm. don't. Anyway, no, it's a very interesting time. It really, it, you're right. It, the capital gains thing will be an interesting debate. Uh, I think the Biden people will bring it up and then eliminate some of those other things. The uh, the amount estate taxes sort of advantaging uh, rich people. But still, I think it's a trend that will continue and we have to deal with this. You know uh, who's really angry about the whole CO comp thing? Who? Stephanie Rule called and like rang my ear like I was one oh, of these, yeah. like I was the CEO of a cruise line. She's like, you know what, this <laughs> fucking bullshit. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it when she calls me and is angry at me. I can't lie. Kind of like it. But I'm like, well, I'm not. I don't. Do you see me running a cruise yeah, line? Do you I'm see Stephanie Rule, I mean, woman of the people. That's how I think of her. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> We're going to go to a She's quick break. Smart. She's she is smart, smart and She's angry. Not a woman of the people. We'll smart be back uh, to talk more. She's a Jersey uh, girl. What are you talking she, about? I get that. Okay, whatever. You, don't you buy guys it. are way away from your original. You I don't start, buy I'm it. the one that started. My off counters rich. are clean. I started off rich and <laughs> they are clean. They're incredible. They're very clean. I did. They were, it's beautiful. They're beautiful. I love them. I, I went back to my house and I was like, I hate my counters. All right, uh, let's go on a quick break. Uh, our, my tiny house. We'll be back to talk more escalating tensions between Apple and Facebook and friend of Pivot on the online food delivery service. I brought you someone you wanted to talk to, Scott. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, we are back. Apple is planning to unveil new privacy feature that would require iPhone users to explicitly choose whether to let apps like Facebook or track their information. This is a long time coming. It's the long time brewing war between Apple CEO Tim Cook and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, they've been at odds over privacy issues in recent years, especially since forever, for now. Uh, there, it start, the, the story in the New York Times actually was quite good. began with Tim Cook telling Mike, Mark Zuckerberg not to be such an information thief, essentially. They met because he was getting his advice and Mark was trying to be nice and Tim was like, wasn't having any of it, didn't want to be his friend. Facebook's $70 billion digital advertising business is built on the ability to follow people online habits as they click through other apps such as Spotify or Amazon and then market directly to users. This pits them two men's visions of the future of the internet at odds. Tim Cook wants safer, more private, but more likely expensive internet while Mark Zuckerberg believes more free and open content. They're trying to say, Tim is trying to kill small businesses. Tim and Apple said, no, we're not. Uh, so, and they're both facing antitrust scrutiny at the federal level. So what do you think about this? You know, I want you to run with this. You know okay. them better than I do. And I think you know the situation. I think they don't like each other personally. I don't think, I th- you know, say it's not personal. I think it's personal. I think that Tim and Apple's back, back to Steve Jobs really disdains the way Mark conducts his business and he wants him mm-hmm. to stop doing it. And so they're putting in place because that, 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 that Mark did not neglect it to get a phone. Uh, and we talked about this, them buying LG or stuff like that. Mark neglected to get a phone. And so this is their way to control them. And so it is a great way to control them. And he's, they're, they're not having any of it. And I think the idea of putting it out there pretty simply, consumers should decide if they want to be tracked or not, is a real problem for Facebook. I think they'll mm-hmm. probably be okay because people have inertia. But it's a real um I think they are re- there is there is a lot of anger between the, no, I don't not anger on Apple part. Apple's like ugh disdain and and the yeah. people at Facebook are mad and think they he's a scold and this and that. But he's going right at their business plan. What what do you think? Well, like anything that hurts Facebook is kind of all right in my eyes. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 very interesting. Uh, you summarize it. Apple wants a world where you pay. Mm-hmm. You basically can get it. I mean, Android and Facebook are sort of the advertising industrial complex meets sociopathy meets data tracking meets Google meets Facebook is a really compelling value proposition. And that is you get mm-hmm. the processing power of the space shuttle in just a staggering utility for free. The argument that people make around whenever they talk about like 
there's some wonderful things about the 20th century, morality, we care about animals, we racial justice, mm -hmm. some things we never would have talked about 100 years ago. And then in the same breath, people will say that the poorest citizen lives better than the wealthiest citizen 100 mm -hmm. years ago, which I think is a bit, a bit of an exaggeration. But I think you can make a legitimate argument that a person who's solidly middle class mm -hmm. has a better life than very, very wealthy people just 100 years ago. And a lot mm -hmm. of it has to come down to the liberation of the incredible utility of technology. And the mm -hmm. technology you get for free, or you can get for free with a combination of Google, Android, Facebook, and these apps is staggering, but mm -hmm. there's just no getting around it. It comes at other non-economic costs. costs. Yep. And, but there's still going to be a big population of people that want that. I mean, it's very easy for, it's very easy for us to fall in love with a paid, a paid app economy, right? Because mm -hmm. these payments, 11 bucks a month or whatever it is, or 20 or now people are, I think, spending about 80 bucks a month on subscriptions or on apps and then 150 on subscriptions. Easy for us to say, right? We can pretend that we care about our privacy. Except why not come up with an innovative business thing? Like he's just, I think Apple's just saying to them, it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be uh, paid necessarily. It's just, the interesting, the CEO of Nextdoor was like, great, we'll do it. We'll do, mm -hmm. come to us for advertising. Mm -hmm. and we're local, we can get you people and we don't have to invade your privacy. We don't have to do it in these sneaky yeah, ways. Uh, I think I, yeah. I think Tim Cook was like, if you want to track people on your platform, that's yeah. fine, but not all over the friggin' internet. You can't, which is what Facebook does. I think that's really what's going on. From from a business perspective, in my opinion, this illuminates the power of controlling the end consumer interface. Mm -hmm. It's a if you're not vertical, if you don't control the end hardware that delivers the content, you're vulnerable. I think Netflix yeah. is vulnerable. Disney is vulnerable. And to a certain extent, Facebook is vulnerable. I mean, it's it really is content versus distribution. And mm -hmm. Apple is flexing their distribution muscles. We control the end access, the piece of hardware and the software for the billion wealthiest people on the planet. And it's going to be... And also, it's easy for Nextdoor to say because they haven't made the staggering multi-billion dollar investment in tracking. And mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm defending Facebook. So people people say they get creeped out by ads. I don't mind Facebook creeping me out. I think mm -hmm. more relevant ads, I kind of like it. I yeah, think well, that's, I like that's the, one argument that they can make that. I like argument. the ads I get on Instagram. I like the mm -hmm. fact if I'm at a Beyonce concert and they serve me an ad for you know the Beyonce, I, I like that. What I don't like is the fact that these individuals you know, continually lie and delay and obfuscate and do things that damage our country and depress our teens. But the the investment they've made in innovation around advertising, like delivering the right out of the right time, next door, you know, uh, they, they, they can't even it. like, I they're get not it, in but the same neighborhood. They're, they're not next door to that no, technology. Of course, so no, speak. no, but here's the deal. They could, one of the things that I think Facebook backs is they're trying to get all these small business owners to complain. Like I now can't afford it if I can't afford Facebook, you know, if people opt out. And the, Facebook was quoting a figure that 60% of revenues will decline for these small businesses. And then Harvard is like, that is a big lie. Of course, Facebook immediately puts out a wrong statistic to make it seem incredibly dire, and then they roll out these people. What I think it just shows is, wow, they only have two choices, Google and Facebook, and mostly Facebook. So that sucks. So it just points out to me how big and strong Facebook is, and why, is, why do they control the entire yeah. online ecosystem in advertising? That's what that, I'm like, that's the problem with small businesses. They have no choices but you. Um, and, and I well, think not that, but Apple gets to make the decisions around the technology around their end users. I mean, yes, I, I don't but see. I think Facebook has more of a, a stranglehold on online mm -hmm. advertising, and mm -hmm. maybe they shouldn't. Maybe there should be more choices. Maybe other people should innovate because the problem these small businesses have isn't that Apple's suddenly opting 
to let people make a choice, which I think ultimately, I don't really care what any of happens at Facebook. If the consumers can just choose, let the consumers choose. And then that's where we'll, we'll end but, up. But to your point, oh, let's talk a little bit about choice. Choice connotes that you would have a more healthy ecosystem and there'd be a number of players. Facebook and Google's duopoly dominance of the digital ad dollar has gone from about, I think, about 63 cents on the dollar pre-pandemic to now it's around 80 cents. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third player that controls another 10 cents. Do you know who that is? What, Amazon? Amazon. So we have three players, Amazon, Google, and Mm -hmm. Facebook, that control 90% of the final frontier of branding, marketing, targeting, programmatic media. That's just not a healthy ecosystem. No, it's not. So- so let people choose, all right? Yeah, they, they don't right. get a choice. That's, that's I think right. Facebook is underscoring by tracking out all these small business people. Like, well, because they, they don't have a choice to buy anywhere else. They don't have any other choices. And so- No, look, that, I, I'm sorry, Kara, I keep interrupting you. I'm caffeinated. I'm coming off this great weekend with great friends. Uh, here's the deal. We don't have choices. I think this is perfectly fine for Apple to do. Facebook can squeal like a stuck pig. Just, you know, I, I don't know. People either decide or not. And frankly, they'll that's probably win That's an insult to the show. other white meat. Okay, listen, sorry, the, 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 either people will decide or not, and probably Facebook will be fine because inertia is a very strong energy source of, on this planet. And they'll just go click yes, sure, track me, whatever. But at least yeah, let people, them pick pick their poison. That's all I say. What I'd be surprised if they get to pick, I think I think we're going to be shocked mm-hmm. at how few people opt out. Opt out, right? That, I'm sorry, at how few people opt out. That I think people talk a big game about their privacy. Mm-hmm. And they don't clear their cookies. They don't. Young people decide every yeah, day to make the trade-off between uh, a lack of privacy and utility. They like, yeah, um, sure. As yeah, long but why as doesn't I, Facebook want the question even asked? Even if they will, I, I think they have. No, I think it's in defense. They have no choice. That, that's yeah. Apple has made an enormous investment in hardware and access. Mm-hmm. To the consumer, and they get to control that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't. I don't understand what Facebook's argument is. And the the, the notion of a tax is something that. Okay, a tax is, is negative, but it's supposed to to help society. You have when you have every small business in America doesn't mm-hmm. can't establish competitive advantage by using Google or Facebook, but everybody pays it. It's no mm-hmm. longer a business investment; it's a tax. I th- I've always, look. I think the biggest tax cut in history will be breaking up Google and Facebook and reducing their ability to impose rents on small business. Yeah, agree. All right, we'll see what happens in the Mark versus Tim contest. Let's bring on our friend of Pivot, Scott. Christopher Payne is the chief operating officer at DoorDash. You had requested an online food delivery person, and I am delivering him to you for lots of questions. This week, DoorDash, he laughs, he laughs, just wait. This week, DoorDash uh, announcing new pricing changes. Beginning this week, all U.S. local restaurants will have a choice of three different delivery uh, delivery partnership plans, starting with a 15% commission option. Uh, let's start with that. Let's start with, with and you also settled a $2.5 million lawsuit that alleged the company misled consumers to believe tip would increase workers' pay. So why don't you start with that, Chris? Talk about the two the two things that happened. All right. So, uh, Scott, it's nice to meet you. Uh, we haven't nice met to meet you, before, Christopher. but thank, thank you both for hosting me. So today's announcement is uh, a very important one because we're offering small businesses uh, more choice. I think one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is we've, we've, we've had to spring into action and make lots of changes. I think that's one of the constant themes. 
we've had an initiative called Main Street Strong throughout the last 13 months where we've, you know, we did commission relief at the beginning, Kara, where we, we did $120 million commission relief for restaurants. We then in the fall began to shift into trying to promote pickup to get more in-store. We were learning as we were going. We also built a product called Storefront. 40% of restaurants going into the pandemic didn't have their own digital ordering platform. And so this is a version of DoorDash that's white labeled that they can use. So today's announcement essentially gives restaurants more choice over the prices that they pay. So there's three components to the announcement. One, instead of one package that's 30% with everything bundled Which in. Which is what people complained about, right? Right. The, the people were now. saying that you were just sort of just taking all their money, essentially. Well, the, the, you know, the, the thing to remember is that, you know, obviously delivery is a cost intensive service, right? Dashers need to be right. compensated. And so what we did is we bundled that for the small business, they basically had everything. They had the, the marketing mm-hmm. programs, Dash Pass, our subscription program. We've now broken that apart. And so there's a, there's a 15% version. We call it the basic package, which essentially mm-hmm. uh, allows the restaurant to be on the platform to offer the service, but more of the fees for the, uh, you know, the order go to the consumer. So it'll be lower volume than the max marketing program, but a great choice for merchants that may want to drive more profitability or frankly, right now might not have enough staff or capacity. There's definitely trends that are happening uh, in, mm-hmm. the, in the market right now. The second is plus, which is 25%, you get inclusion in the Dash Pass, our subscription product for that. The way to think about that is you're lowering consumer fees in exchange for more growth and promotion. And then the final package, the 30% tier is the premier package, which includes Dash Pass, but it also includes an expanded radius so you can increase your service area. It also comes with a growth guarantee. If you don't do 20 transactions on DoorDash in a month, all your sales that do occur below 20 are commission free. So that's, that's one part of the announcement. You never have to pay 30% again, care if you don't want to. Uh, mm-hmm. and then the, the second part of the announcement is storefront. Storefront has just exploded. Uh, and this is a way for restaurants to have their own channel, uh, to own the customer relationship. Obviously behind so the scenes. So that you don't, you don't insert yourself, this gatekeeper role. Let's Scott, go ahead. Uh, first off, nice to meet you, Christopher. Thanks for being here. It, I, I look at your business and I think, wow, this is a, a, a great story from a, a market capitalization standpoint, huge market capitalization um, right out of the gates. Um, and obviously COVID is sort of wind in the sails of folks uh, who want to eat more at home. Uh, your stock's down though, um, since uh, it's down about, I think it's off about 19% since the IPO. And when I look at your competitors, I see, including you, I see SGNA at 53%, uh, DoorDash, I see it about 53% at Uber. And then I see Domino's at 10%. And my big rap is that you're just an advantage when you're vertical. In other words, you produce food and deliver it. How do you, how, at the end of the day, how do you get your SGNA and your cost down to a point where this, this company can, can generate the profits that your market capitalization sort of indicates now? Without it, just feels like you and the other delivery guys are slowly putting each other out of business. How do the economics here? How do you maintain or get to any sort of margin power against the other big guys in in, in delivery? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely Scott a scale play. You know, I, you all yeah. know my background. I was at Amazon for 
a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and DoorDash is, is similar in some respects and different in others. The, yep. you know, the, the way to think about it is that the more volume you get in an area, the more, you know, dashers you can have, the more engaged they are, the more efficient they are, the better the economics flow. This was yep. one of the, one of the core reasons I joined the company is, you know, we have, we have markets that we started eight years ago, right? And so you can see that vintage of market and you can compare it to one we launched last week, right? And all of the points in between, right? We cover 85% mm-hmm. of Americans now. And so, so the, the way to think about it is that our older markets, those like Palo Alto, San Jose, Houston, Atlanta, mm-hmm. et cetera, have reached profitability. And yet we've, we've gone into, expanded into uh, lots and lots of suburbs. Uh, one, one day, a couple of years ago, I got a note saying we're now dashing in Owensboro, Kentucky, where I am born and raised. And it kind of hit mm-hmm. me that, you know, we were going to be everywhere. Uh, and now we are in launching cities that are 15,000 populations doing hundreds of deliveries a night. And so you've got a core business. But is it got, long tail? I mean, you've got three really well-capitalized players in this business, and it looks like you guys are just beating the shit out of each other, to be blunt. How do you, how do you again, get margin power? Is it going after smaller cities? Is it additional services? It, what you know, I think if you look at our financials and you see the trend lines over time, mm-hmm. you'll see that we're demonstrating over time the economies of scale. You saw in our numbers mm-hmm. we reached, you know, we did reach gap profitability in Q2 of, of last year. Uh, and you'll continue to see, I believe, over time, improve improvements in profitability. But it, it is what I said. It is it is more scale, uh, better economics. And then that's one component, right? And then if you look at other lines of business that we're having, things like storefront and others, mm-hmm. you see us sort of now that we have 450,000 small business and large business relationships across the United States, you see mm-hmm. us increasingly offer more merchant services. So for example, DoorDash Drive, back in 2016, we opened up our logistics platform to power other people's demand. So when you order on Chipotle.com mm-hmm. or you order grocery from Walmart or general merchandise from Walmart, behind the scenes, we're fueling that with our logistics capability. And so hmm. that is another vector of, of growth and, and, but not and profitability. Food. Not, not food, because then you'd be competing with your partners. Because one of the reasons I assume behind this new partnership plan is because of the complaints, is that people felt like they just had a one-size-fits-all and they were getting jammed when they didn't want it or buying things they didn't want or paying for things they didn't want. Do you, ha- I mean, if you got into food, you'd be competing with the very presumably running ghost kitchens, et cetera, you'd be competing with the very people you were trying to attract in this, with this new announcement. Yeah. Our, 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 our whole, you know, origin of the company, what we focus on is building services for merchants. You all have talked to Tony in the past, you know, he knows mm-hmm. his mom was a small restaurateur. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is that Restaurants that were partnered with DoorDash during the pandemic are eight times more likely to still be in business than ones that were were not. And that's not to say that that everything's rosy and that that restaurants don't want changes. One of the hallmarks of the last year has been listening to restaurants and adapting based on what we're learning. And this announcement today, you're right. Restaurants do want more choice. 
Some restaurants want more profitability. Storefront and the basic package allow you to do that. I also didn't mention earlier that we've taken our pickup rate from 15% and we've lowered it to 6%. I think this is a huge um, win for merchants because one of the things they're concerned with is one of the most profitable channels they have is people that walk up to the counter, the to-go business. Now, essentially, payment processing is included in that 6%. So for 3% additional, you're getting access to the 20 plus million monthly actives on on DoorDash, so that's to get the more other, people in the door. That's the other component. to get people in the door. So wh- let's talk about the lawsuit settlement. This is another sort of the stain on not just you, but a lot of these delivery services is these using these workers, not Amazon. Everyone how they use workers. In your case, the tipping controversy uh, sort of blew up. So talk about how your tipping model has changed. Yeah, we, we you, know, you and I talked about this about two years ago. So we, mm-hmm. we had an, a, an old Dasher pricing model, that pay model, that uh, essentially what we did is we, you know, the way Dashers think about uh, compensation is they take the, the DoorDash and the tip part and they think about that as their earnings. What mm-hmm. we did is we basically topped up, we added on top of orders that uh, didn't have a tip or had a low tip. Dashers love that. Uh, they it made more deliveries worth doing for them, and then they would do more deliveries uh, per per hour. Um, but the piece that we miss, Kara, is that uh, consumers didn't feel like their tip mattered uh, in 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 that model. And so, in the summer to fall of 2019, I altered that. I completely made the DoorDash component blind to the to the tip component. Uh, and we've adjusted the system and made it work for dashers and work for consumers. And so, so you know, in all candor, we made lawsuit. a mistake. We made a mistake there in terms of mm-hmm. not balancing the needs of the marketplace. And uh, I'm I'm you know I feel I feel very good about the model we have today. Scott? So look, you're a for-profit company and I'm sure you think about stakeholders, not just shareholders, but obviously shareholders are still, you know, at the top or, or around the top. And if I'm in your shoes, uh, uh, Chris, I immediately think, okay, autonomous driving. Uh, the moment I can get to scale or show some sort of scale around autonomous uh, driver delivery or autonomous delivery, the marketplace senses the the what you the double click on the scale you're talking about. Uh, if I, if uh, my cynical self says you're just you're just biding time until you can show the marketplace you're going to be able to replace drivers, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that that's not coming for every organization, but what role does autonomous play in um, uh, for uh, DoorDash? And what's the timeline? Because as you remember, Chris, you may have been there when Travis Kalanick said that famous thing: totally. is, as soon as I can get rid of the drivers, I'm going to have a great business. I think, which he sort of said it out loud, the quiet part. So you all know I've been in tech my whole my whole career, Microsoft mm-hmm. and elsewhere. And I've been in a weird position related to this autonomous discussion, Scott, because yeah. I I am bullish on on it being impactful in the long term. I'm I'm yep. I'm skeptical that it will be impactful sort of in the sense of 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 replacing the totality of of you know sort of humans biking and driving and uh it's a mm-hmm. really hard problem. And the, the thing I don't like about the way it, you know, it, it works today is people kind of have to solve a, you know, a, a level five type problem and, and, mm-hmm. and it, it, in order to sort of make it work. And I'm very much come from the school of crawl, walk, run. Like I like to make some progress and then iterate uh, on, on that. 
So I, I think what you'll see, DoorDash has an initiative where we are working on autonomy. I think what you'll mm -hmm. see from us is that we'll begin to use autonomy in components of the delivery. I'll give you two examples to, so mm -hmm. there, there are lots of places where there's food in one area and it's difficult to get the food to where the people are. You know, if you've mm -hmm. ever been to San Diego and you know Coronado Island and you know the divide between mm -hmm. the city and the island, it's like, it's like great food, people over here, right? Drones could be fantastic in that area. Line of sight, mm -hmm. you can bring the food. But the last 10 feet, that's going to be closed by humans for the for a long, long time to come. Uh, additionally, you know, I think you'll see maybe routes. You've seen the sidewalk robots and those types of things where you've got restaurant hubs. You, mm -hmm. you might see the, the sort of the main route be done by uh, autonomous vehicles. But again, I, I think I think they'll be complementary to the system versus uh, sort of replacing the system for a long for a long time to come. And I in my mind, I'm thinking five to 10 years. So uh, then, then how do you think about AB5 and delivery drivers that was pushed a lot by Uber, Lyft, yourselves and others? How do you look at that, where, where that's coming out? Because there's still, you know, Amazon just won its union thing. There's a lot of uh, heat around employees and, and drivers or, or whether they're workers in Britain. It goes back and forth. How do you look at the whole, the bigger landscape of that? Yeah. Right I mean, I, this will come as no surprise to you all that, that I think AB, you know, the, the, the uh, Prop 22 was a big win for mm -hmm. drivers. Uh, and I, I think that often, you know, people have sort of talk about employment and, 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 independent contract work is, is synonymous and, and they're not. And I think the Prop 22 results showed that. Remember, dashers dash on average less than four hours a week. 75% mm -hmm. hmm. of our dashers have another job. You know, the, what, what the, what dashers say repeatedly that they love about this work is they get to have flexibility of working, not working when they want, where they want and earn additional supplement. And so it, to me, it's a compliment. And I think Prop 22 was was a major step forward. The fact that it won by nearly two thirds of the California uh, voters, it, it, it protects that that flexibility. Uh, it guarantees 120% of minimum wage per active hour. It gives a path to health care insurance. Um, it is not employment though, right? And I've, I've listened to your podcast, right? And you, mm -hmm. you talk about some of the benefits that are missing. I think we can work together as an industry on that over time, but I also think it's very important to talk about these things as a third, you know, a third way. It's not pure independent contracting. It's not pure employment. It's a, it's a third right. way. And I think. But, you know, let me, let me push back the, the, when you talk about face, you know, Facebook right now is saying they're there for small businesses and really they're there because they're furious that Apple is making, forcing them to opt in or opt out, you know, and they, they're using small businesses as their shield for something like that. How do you, the idea that drivers are such a full month between workers and these drivers in this subclass of people who are doing this kind of thing, um, who are doing delivery, and some are just doing a few hours, but others are trying to make a living. Do you imagine there is an, that there will be a settlement where you're not sort of the villains tip-stealing, uh, surf-having delivery people villains how where does that sh what what has to shift and i'm not saying you are i just think it's super complex what has to shift in our thinking about uh delivery and delivery people here i i think restaurants and, and drivers you know are successful on doordash uh, you know the the average dasher on doordash makes 22 dollars per active hour 
since prop this is when they're working since this can is, you define what you mean by active that means yeah. that they're do, they're on a delivery right they're they're okay they're, but they're, that's not that's not 22 dollars per hour that you're away from your family or actually working right well it could be Would it they, could be even more than that realize right? that that's on doordash many i mean how many uber and lifts have you guys got in and you see the you got the you got the lift on the one thing and you got uber yeah. on the other right yeah so all i have visibility into is the doordash component of the yep. delivery i don't but 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 do I think that some of our drivers are doing Instacart grocery deliveries? You bet they are, mm-hmm. right? And in but what California, I mean is, I want Scott, you to think further. Is if you could if if you could wave, I want you to think of something further. Is that it, it does? This is all gets reductive on both sides. I think in a lot of ways, we're here to help you. We're you're not helping us. What if you could wave your a wand and say, "This is the one thing." If what healthcare? What is it? What what a new kind of worker designation where people get to because the pandemic has shown a lot of people are vulnerable like a lot more vulnerable than they need to be. Um, what do you, is there something you think that needs to be happen away from you, away from your workers, away from the acrimony that could be created that would, would be great for this these businesses to work in a, a way that's better for everybody, every person? I do. Step. I do, Kara. I think Prop 22 is an enormous step in the right okay. direction. Right. I, I think, you know, in cities in California, the average dasher is bringing in 30 to $36 per active hour. And Scott, to your question about, you know, what does that mean? I mean, they're not lying idle. I mean, I mean, there's lots mm-hmm. of deliveries happening in California, right? I think what I would like to see as an industry, I'd love to see federal legislation. And, you know, we're working very hard to sort of figure out what that future state looks like with legislators, uh, legislatures across the country, uh, with policymakers. It'd be great if it were federal. And I think what we're looking for is something that gives codifies this that preserves the flexibility but you know gives a path to benefits uh that that Mm -hmm. are are across the entirety of the system and i think will be better for it okay i have a last question and scott you can go um as people start to go back in the world and rely less on delivery you know a lot of people feel some like zoom you like all pandemic's been very very good to you and others i don't mean that in a insulting way, but it's really boomed in certain areas where people have to be home. And you were saying now they're having delivery in, in your area where you grew up. That probably wasn't the case before at all. People just went out and got stuff. So what, what do you, how do you iterate in that, that situation? How do you look at that world where people have had this great experiment with delivery? A lot of people are going to stay in it, but what's the downside for you? What is the problem you are most worried about? Well, you know, as I look at it, Kara, I've been working on e-commerce for now and in in a long time. Uh, If you you think about when I started Mm -hmm. at Amazon in 98. And I I think that one of the things that I I fundamentally have believe is that consumer expectations around convenience will only increase with time. And I Mm -hmm. fundamentally believe, I read your article in the New York Times last Mm -hmm. week, that the pandemic essentially accelerated the trend that was already happening. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the DoorDash's vision is to connect every local business to every local consumer and bring them things in minutes, not days. Right. That's our fundamental strategy. And the pandemic mm-hmm. accelerated that, but it was a trend that existed before that. And in my experience, it doesn't go back. Like at the end of the day, the expectations around convenience will only increase with time. Yes, people are going to be euphoric and go back to in restaurant dining. It's fun to see that. I got to dine for the first time indoor this past weekend and to see the smiles on people's faces. Like, I don't think this is a zero sum game. Uh, 
I guess I'll close on this, Kara, by saying that restaurants now have a tremendous opportunity in partnership with DoorDash, right? They used to be beholden only to the four walls, right? The people that come into their restaurant or pick up food from their restaurant. Now they can service a much larger area. A lot of these restaurants, same store sales were in, decreasing prior to the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And now- So you're saying it. So I'm going to do DoorDash slash Uber slash blank slash Domino's because it's not just DoorDash because it's a really competitive environment. Good, good try on that one. Scott, last question. Yeah, as I read through, I looked at your earnings call transcripts. The thing that would get my greed glands going as a shareholder is your uh, monthly subscription program. I'm a big fan of recurring revenue. He loves and, a rundle. Well, I just want to give you, I'm going to give you an ad here because I, I do want you to come back on. Uh, Five million subscribers paying 10 bucks a month. That's 600 million a year in recurring revenue. That's, you know, that's a, that's, I think about a third of your users are now in the subscription program. Have you thought about layering in other components into that to make it more of a bundle? It seems to me that it, if it's not autonomous, and I think it's very. I think you're in a very weird spot around autonomous. I think it's. It would be very hard for you to be a, pro, a proponent of autonomous publicly. I just think you're in a almost an impossible right. spot there. Unless you're like a jerk like Travis. But go ahead. <laughs> but then, but then, uh, but around subscription, you can be. I think uh, to me, you know, kind of loud and proud. Have you thought about bundling in other things into some sort of recurring revenue monthly program? Definitely. Uh, you know. The, Normally we like to, we like to, you know, test things out. We, we, we sort of crawl, walk, run. Subscription was one of those things where, you know, we began this journey three years ago and, and mm-hmm. the fact that there's 5 million now and growing the basic model, right? Is, is one where you lower the fees for customers in exchange for that recurring revenue and you get increased engagement, order frequency and retention. And so one of the things that we did, Scott, at the beginning of the pandemic was we accelerated convenience. So if, if you think back to when I was at Amazon and we did, you know, they were just a bookseller and we went into music mm-hmm. video. I was the mm-hmm. video uh, guy. Uh, DoorDash is now in its moment where it's going to go beyond just restaurant delivery. Convenience was our first. And we brought that forward because we thought it would be an a, a important service during the pandemic. But to your point, we folded that into the Dash Pass subscription. So you can get Walgreens and CVS and uh, Wawa and Circle K and 7-Eleven delivered as a part of your Dash Pass membership. Did you I, say Wawa? Yeah. It's I'm a, in. Go ahead. Sorry. He's <laughs> close. I'm now. Uh, no, I love Wawa. Yeah, I, I just do don't too. like going there. They sell a lot. Uh, and, yeah. and then uh, grocery is something that we are now uh, progressing uh, against. So partnerships with Meyer, Hy-Vee uh, in the Midwest. That's also included in DashPass. So the, the idea is that ultimately it will be the, your local subscription to get things in minutes, not days. All right. Who's your biggest competitor? Last question. Then we got to go. You know, I'm going to answer that question with, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's our ourselves. Exactly. It's our ability. Now, look, at the end of the day, Come it's on, a very it's Uber, competitive right? landscape. And or is it Amazon? Uber is, it is, Uber? is one of our, you know, that very much respect them and they've done great work. Uh, Grubhub as well, but that's typically the competitive set. But, but, you yeah. know, we very much focus on the customer first. You know, that's yeah. propelled us to a lead. We have about 54% market share in the United yeah. States, in this very competitive landscape, but we don't yeah. think we've won anything. Yeah, we've I'd taken say Amazon. Lead, but this is day one. I know, I'd say commerce. Amazon. Chris, you're gonna look back where you started. I'm telling you, I ordered a, a thing for a sippy cup last night at 11. It was at my house at five in the morning. And then I, it was shocking. It was by Amazon. 
Awesome. Just saying. It was it was fascinating. Anyway, thank you so much. This is a really interesting area. Thank I think you, it'll Chris. be interesting to see what happens as we go forward. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank care. you for Thanks, having us. Nice meeting you. He's interesting, isn't he? He's an interesting yeah, guy. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, like he's in a I think he's in a tough spot though. I think yeah. that's a place with a bunch of deep pockets going after each other with very little differentiation. We'll I see. think that's a tough one. We'll see. Really so tough they, one. You've got to add the rundle. You're right. They gotta be more. They gotta be well, your delivery if, guy. If you were going to compete against, if you're going to go into a market and said, what two, you know, what two organizations do I not want to compete against? Do you want to compete against Uber and Amazon? Yeah. I mean, that's just tough, But right? they're still ahead. They're still ahead than them. Yeah, they're, they're and number Instacart, one, right? And, not, and, and Instacart. There's not just that we didn't leave out that. There's a lot. Uh, but someone's going to be your delivery guy, and that's going to be interesting. All right, Scott, yeah. we're going to take one more quick break, and we'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. I would say I'm going to go first. Go ahead. Yes. Scott Galloway as an Airbnb. He go gets on. five stars. Go on. Five stars. Right? I was a little worried How about- How can someone this, this masculine be this lovely? How is it I was worried possible? about cameras and recording devices in the bedroom, and I checked for them in the bathroom, but That's there were none weird. to be had. So I'm, I know weird. that, but you know that Airbnb thing. People really? put, they Airbnb? put, yes, yes. Mm. Oh my God, you don't read up on things. I check mm. at every Airbnb I Giant go to. man <laughs> is here. That was seriously <laughs> fucking, that kid, he, he, look, he looks, when you walked in together, it looked like he was dropping you off at kindergarten. <laughs> it, it looked, <laughs> people have no idea how enormous your son And you know what? Golden <laughs> Child shocking. loves Giant Man. Doesn't doesn't Golden Child oh love Giant Man? God. Oh, there, it's, uh, uh, that, that was such, nice. That was actually the nicest part of it. That was the, the you know. Golden Child? You know, their mom, so-so, but the kids yeah. were, their kids <laughs> okay. were. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. My win is is our Miami relationship. I think PivotCon in Miami, we're going to have some fun there. Oh, we're going to rock uh, the house. We're we going to rock the house or else it'll be a disaster where we'll be arrested by police. That's my goal. That's my goal. Pretty much. Second time for you. Second uh, time for you, you <laughs> criminal, you gangster. <laughs> I, I've been arrested. My fail, uh, I don't have a fail this week. I don't yeah. have a fail. I don't feel like there's that many fails this week. Feels okay. We're getting there. A variance, I guess, but we'll see. We're doing okay, I think. Nice. Scott? Uh, my win is Biden's proposal to eliminate capital gains tax deduction. I thought it made mm -hmm. sense several decades ago. We needed more capital drawn into the marketplace. I think the incentives, I think there's no dearth of capital. And all this has become is a transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich, I'll where you, there's the just no rich reason. Rich people are squealing, squealing. Well, all day today you know, on CBC. It, <laughs> the, it would be hard squealing. to imagine any cohort in the history of mankind that has done better in the last yeah. 12 months than wealthy people in the US. Well, you know, no Biden cohort hates innovation, according to them. He hates innovation. Just so you know. Well, anyway, I just it's it's time. It, there's no excuse to. We don't need to draw. There's no shortage of capital, investment capital, and it just doesn't make any sense that people that we've got to stop prioritizing money over sweat. There's nothing more noble. The American brand is about generosity, liberty, empathy. But we work, and when there's got to be a dignity in work, and then when you when you tax people more for the money their sweat makes than the money their money makes. Mm -hmm. It's just led to some very weird places. Yeah. So I salute the Biden administration for going after what has been, in my view, a corrupt uh, tax. And to go back to the Reagan years when all income was just income. Uh, and then 
And then my fail is I think there's a lot of moral hazard beginning to creep up. One, we talked about the out-of-control CEO compensation mm -hmm. of bailouts that that encourage CEOs to take their companies to the brink of zero such that they can mm -hmm. be awarded options. And then when the company rips back to kind of just where it was two years ago, they they trot off with thirty, forty, fifty million dollars. It's no surprise that like hotel CEOs, MGM, Carnival are just raking it in. And that is mm -hmm. terrible moral hazard that encourages reckless behavior and risk taking. And also, and we don't want to talk about this because it's more uncomfortable, but the moral hazard behind the stimulus and extending unemployment benefits is going to create a labor shortage where the bottom line is it's just more economically advantageous to stay at home for many workers right now than to go into work. And you're seeing huge labor shortages. And I hope that takes wages up. But yeah. when you when uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a problem when in America we've decided and we need to revisit minimum wage laws. But when we've decided that people should stay at home versus work, and I think that's what we've done with this uh, uh, some of the stimulus around unemployment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so look, uh, my we got win, that complaint a lot in Miami. They didn't have enough employees. They can't find people. Job fairs. No one's showing up. Yeah. No one's showing up because between stimulus and unemployment and the fact that you can call in and say, I may have been exposed to COVID, so I'm taking the next 15, 30 days off. That means we've got to raise, we've got to, we've got to create incentives to work. To and work. it's not it, incentives to stay at home, incentives to take your company to the brink of, brink of bankruptcy are not what capitalism I is like all this. about. I like this. It's a very smart little knitting together of two different ideas. It's very smart. There you go. There yeah, you much go. like I'm your complex. wife's delicious I'm pancakes. complex with King, Her delicious King pancakes complexity. Tell her I love her multi-grain pancakes. They're amazing. Yeah, she loves the Switchers. She loves the Switchers. <laughs> it was fun. It was. Although I think she was glad to see us all go, including you. You saw she kicked me out, right? <laughs> I I'm saw like, that. I'll stay home. It's like, no, you're going to New York. She's no, like, you're out of here. <laughs> Get going, Scott. Let's go. She's like, you're out, out of the house. here. You're going with him. Oh yeah. God, she's she glad runs to see us all. So. She runs. I love seeing you being run the show of by another person. It was good because I tried. Did you see and I when failed. I was negotiating with my kids? I'm like trying to get them to go to bed, and they're like, no. And I said, come on, I'm gonna get in trouble with mom. And they're like, we feel you. We get it. Okay. We get it. <laughs> anyway, that's my go-to. I'm scared fan. of mom. It's so please. nice. I got I got away some lessons from her. She's giving me lessons on how to control you. Anyway, Scott, that's the show. It's a sad situation for you now that we have, are united together. You, your wife, and I. That's what All I All right, mean. we'll be back on Friday. For more, go Who's to your N Kelly McGillis. <laughs> Who's your Kelly McGillis? Oh, God, go to. We Enron. literally have bounced. We bounced a foot into the air when Giant Boy sat down. <laughs> I almost hit my head I'm on the ceiling. I'm my other son next time. I have oh, other children. God, what, who, There's so many Swisher children. What is They're he, Manute Bowl? I mean, these <laughs> oh, are these are. He's freaks. a strong one. He's a strong one. They're lovely children. Give I'm me those two kids. I'm taking over Australia. All right, okay. I am taking over Australia. Go to nymag.com/slash/pivot to submit your questions for the Pivot podcast. The link is also in our show notes. You can have more giant kids anytime. Don't let the lesbians beat you mm, out, but closed. we do. Let me just fixed. say, read us out, Scott. My sperm can do no good. Anyways, today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Today's episode was engineered by Ernie Intertod. Special thanks to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burroughs. Make sure you subscribed on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Box Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Florida and the Swishers. That's right. How can anyone be this masculine and this lovely? Can How? I give you one piece of feedback? There were no mints. Okay. No mints. No mints on the pillows. Oh, there we go. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. 
But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.